0: Welcome to Post-Purchase Success, the podcast series from Parcelab, exploring the ins and outs of the post-purchase experience world. In each episode, we'll be speaking to experts from the e-commerce and retail space, getting their thoughts on the latest trends and developments. We'll also be finding out about the challenges they faced to give you some inspiration to deal with your own challenges that you and your business may have encountered. Hello and welcome to the first ever podcast from Parcelab. My name is Sidra Berman. I'm the Chief Marketing Officer at Parcelab. And in today's episode, we'll be exploring the world of e-commerce returns from two perspectives. One from one of our customers who has implemented a solution, and then another from a customer who is soon to implement our solution to talk about the challenges of returns management. So we'll be looking at what online shoppers expect from a returns experience and the cost of not getting that experience right. So joining me today are Rachel. She's a senior product manager at New Look, very much a fan of their clothes. And Martin, a global e-commerce operations manager for Stroke. Am I pronouncing it correctly?
1: Strucky, yeah. <laughs> okay, thank
0: you. <laughs> All right. So thank you both for joining us. So one of the biggest issues with having a poor returns experiences, experience, excuse me, is that it leaves your customers disempowered. So we did a return study a few months ago. Uh, 92% of consumers say that a retailer's returns policy influences their purchasing decisions. And 54%, over half, would like access to the returns process at any time. Uh, as you and I have discussed, Rachel, it seems the bar has been raised in terms of what people expect. Uh, from the companies that and the brands that they do business with. So having to go through um, a customer service agent and rely on the carrier order status communications does not allow consumers to have a sense of control, nor does it allow the brand to have any sense of control. So as a result, both the buyer as well as the brand, are disempowered. And that turns into a very expensive proposition for retailers, and especially in terms of WISMO, where's my order, driving up calls to the contact center. So let me start with with you, Rachel. What has been your experience with returns management? What did it look like before Parcel Lab, and what did it look like afterwards?
2: So previously, customers would um, either have to go into one of the various portals to make a decision on how they were going to return their product. Um, most of the time, they would need a printer, which is not ideal in this day and age. Most people don't have a printer. Um, and they would need to re-input all of their information in again. So their order number, their address, uh, which is quite time consuming. Yeah, And we were finding that a lot of our customers weren't actually completing our return slip and putting it back into the um, return. And so we weren't actually understanding why customers were returning an item Um once we had implemented a portal, it's a one-step now for customers. They go into the portal, they decide how they want to return an item. They can choose a, a paperless return, so they get a QR code, which they then take to their drop-off point, and then the drop-off point produces the label for them. Um, but more importantly for us, it means that we now have um, detailed returns data as to why the customer is returning that item, because returns data is mandatory now. Um, so from our point of view it's made it a lot easier it's also been easier for us as a business because we can now stop customers returning outside of the returns window so again previously all of the carriers wouldn't have known what date the customer had um, placed that order and it had been delivered so we were getting a significant number of returns coming back outside of our returns window and we were then having to either accept them back or pay to post them back to the customer but with a returns portal you have that opportunity to set a returns window and then returns cannot be created outside of that time. So
0: it sounds like there have been operational improvements, cost savings, as well as that feedback in terms of why people are returning things so you can address yeah. the problems at the
2: core. Uh, I think a better customer experience as well because it's now a one-stop shop and there it's much quicker and easier for them to do that. Excellent. So, Martin, I know
0: that you don't have currently have a return solution, but tell me what the process currently is like and what the pains and challenges that your company faces.
1: Yeah, to be honest, Stocky right now has a very yeah rudimentary uh, approach to that. Uh, essentially, customers go onto our website; they're going to be linked to the carrier website where they fill in the data and generate. A paper-based yeah. label. Yeah? So that's from a customer uh, experience pers- perspective, obviously not great. So by implementing Retain or the Returns Portal Bypass Lab, we're going to address many, many of these issues by really automating it, giving them an easy access while at the same time gathering the right insights. So right now, We are literally blind in regards to why consumers are returning. We are not asking them at some point in the journey, why are you really returning? Mm -hmm. So we will only find out when we receive the items and uh, are processing those returns highly manually. So this is really the next step in getting kind of a more automated uh, approach and also more sophistication.
0: So you don't know if it's the... The image didn't match what people expected, or if the color was off, or there were challenges. Exactly. Do you have a what? How can you share? Are you comfortable sharing uh, what percentage of uh, purchases are returned and mm-hmm. the and the approximate cost? I don't want to put you in an uncomfortable spot, but no, uh, this is a challenge for for all pretty much all brands.
1: Yeah, I will give you a proxy at least. So we are between six to eight percent return rate so comparing it to rachel's business that's a completely different ball game. but obviously yeah it depends highly on the industry that you are operating in
0: so rachel i imagine with fast fashion the return rate could be quite a bit higher
2: yeah so we fluctuate between 40 and 48 percent um we are a fast fashion retailer uh, customers do tend to order a large number of items with the expectation that they'll only keep some of them and then send the rest of them back. So we're never going to ever get to single-digit numbers, but we would like to try and get that down a little bit if possible. Excellent. So do you have a sense of the
0: um, cost savings or operational improvements uh, that have been witnessed?
2: Um at the moment, we haven't seen any because we haven't had the data long enough to be able to make significant changes. So I think previously to capturing data in a returns portal, we believed that the majority of our customers were returning because the items were unwanted. So they'd either ordered multiple sizes or multiple colours or multiple styles of products. And um, since we've been capturing accurate returns data what we have now found is that it's actually more around the fit so the product is too big or too small too short or too long Um, so what that's meant is there are no quick wins in that situation and so therefore that's going to take time for us as a business to address that with our buying and merchandising team and then with our suppliers as well Um, but we are committed to doing that we now have a returns analyst who will be looking at that data in detail and passing it over to our merchandising teams who can then take action whereas previously we we didn't have that insight and so therefore we were almost blindly thinking that it was the customer that was choosing um, to create the high returns rate. Fascinating
0: so Since you've implemented the solution, what advice would you give Martin uh, as as they go forward and implement uh, a returns solution? Yes, let me know, Rachel. Yeah,
2: (laughs) so I think one of the big things is um, making sure that you've got really accurate returns reasons for customers. So we have two levels of returns reasons. So we've got our primary reason like faulty but then underneath that we ask the customer for additional information because faulty isn't really enough when you get back to the warehouse you want the uh, returns operator to be able to quickly identify what it is that they're looking at so you want them to stay faulty leg wobbly or chip on side or something like that in your case Um, I think also being um, reordering the returns Uh, reasons as well so that the same one is not always at the top is a good thing because customers tend to always try and choose the quickest option as well. Yeah. And we've also um, expanded our returns options as well for customers since we've had the returns portal. Um, Maybe not so appropriate for yourselves, but we do return to store. Um, And we've also just about to launch um, Royal Mail Collect from Home to make it more convenient for customers to be able to return return. Previous to that, if we hadn't had a portal being able to add the returns um, types, it would have taken us significantly longer to do that. So it is much easier to get going with that. And then you can actually... If, you, if you've if you got a particular returns way that you want the customer to choose, you can actually reorder them so that one of them is at the top of the list and that tends to be the one that customers go towards. So for us, Royal Mail was always our our biggest returner, um, about 68%. And then we moved in post to the top of the list and suddenly Royal Mail dropped to 50 Um, So it just goes to show that even just placement of things on the portal pages makes such a difference.
1: Do you have any exception handling for like defective items?
2: No, no, we had considered that. So we had considered, I think, some of the other retailers, if it's faulty. They asked them to contact customer care, but we thought that we'd roll with it and see how it goes. So um, we actually charge for returns as well, but if it's a faulty item, we don't charge for it. Um, and so we thought that maybe that might get taken advantage of, but we've not found that, that our faulty reasons are still in line with what they were prior to charging for returns. It
1: might also depend on the value of the
2: item. Yes, yep.
0: yeah. So given that, Martin, your returns rate is up, uh, In the single digits, uh, you know, it obviously varies by sub industry. Uh, For example, cosmetics does not necessarily see a lot of returns because no one wants used lipstick. That's pretty gross. Uh, But what was the process you went through to get organizational buy in for that initiative? Because it touches many departments. So how are you able to get the, to use a very American term, political capital, to help drive this this type of change?
1: Yeah, I mean. Obviously, what, what always counts in these kind of decisions is the ROI. And in this sense, it's, yeah, it is not the strongest argument usually because you're first off thinking about reducing costs, but at the same time, you're really pushing to, yeah, increase that customer experience. And I think what we have maybe underestimated or, or yeah, intentionally Put on a moderate level is the uh, yeah upselling and cross-selling opportunity, and I think the more that we evolve in that project, the more opportunities we will actually have, um, yeah, along the way. But first off, we need to fix our basis and really make sure consumers have an easy way to return if needed. Yeah, and on top of that, of course, to understand why they are returning, and those were. Let's say one of the uh, key major points that we brought across internally, and also then finally got the buy-in. Understand our consumers better, and take the experience to the next level.
0: Excellent. So, Rachel, which departments were involved in actually standing up the solution and, and benefiting from it? Uh, you mentioned customer support because of WISMO.
2: Are the others? Uh, pretty much every department got involved in this one. Um, When you look at returns, it it actually touches such a wide um, range of departments within the business. So, there was um, the retail stores, we needed to get them involved because it's a changing process for them. Uh, customer care, as you said. We also did testing. So we had our test and target team involved, legal, procurement for contracts. Um, we then also had press and PR because when we went live with it, we needed to make sure that we had that covered as well. Um then our distribution centers needed to know the changes that we had. And then really key to us was our business objects team. So, you know, getting that data and actually now being able to analyze it and use it within the business. So they were really, really key to starting to enhance our service and develop it.
0: Excellent. Excellent. You shared some advice with, with Martin. How long did it actually take for your organization for new look to just dis- was it a pretty easy decision because of the high number of returns to move forward with a solution like this
2: yeah so they i mean to be fair this was a top-down message so mm. it, it came to that us makes that, it easier yeah it, uh, <laughs> end of october just like returns are really high get on this and do something about it. But to be fair, we had been trying to push this for a little while anyway as a business, but it hadn't really got the traction. So yeah, it was, it was really easy to get everyone on board because partly because it was a top down, but also within the lower levels of the business, they already knew that there was a problem and they wanted to um, get that benefit. Um, But it was just trying to get that traction. And so once we had um, the senior leadership team on board, it was fairly easy to get everybody else uh, grouped together and start to work together. And this was really a a very cross-functional project. So uh, we had working groups to make sure that everybody was involved um, and to make sure that, you know, the, the, the whole customer aspect of the journey had been covered so changes to our help center pages changes to our pdp um making sure that you know our dispatch note was updated that our pause in the stores was updated you know it is you think it's going to be really really simple but actually once you start to break it down it is actually a huge change wow that's I thought
0: it would touch most departments, but I didn't even realize the extent until you actually were (laughs) through it. Neither did I until I started looking into it. Well, clearly you've been exceedingly thorough. Uh, Martin, what were some of the criteria uh, that you were using to evaluate solutions?
1: Yeah, so I think first and foremost, the, the technical integration part that needed to fit with our tech stack that we have. Obviously, we, we had already an existing relationship with Parcel Lab. We knew what Parcel Lab can bring to the table. So that was at least a door opener. But then throughout the process and what we've seen also with other clients, um, that Parcel Lab already has, we definitely could see the, the ease of experience for the consumer itself. That was a big selling point. The, fundamental control that we as a company have on the appearance so it's all hosted on our own website we have full control of let's say what is displayed on the website but also uh, yeah how the consumer is pulling through we will be the data owner so that was also highly important to us and um yeah so i think these were the the key points um let me think no actually also First and foremost, the uh, personalization capabilities. That's of course very, very important.
0: Every every consumer likes to think he or she is special.
1: Exactly. I mean, you're not. This is not something that you are not pulling out just out of your sleeve. It yeah. takes time. It takes high load of efforts. It takes many people to get involved and pull into the same direction. But I think step by step, I'm very positive we can do it.
0: So now that you're actually on the other end, uh, have you found that it was worth the, the time and an investment?
2: Oh, yes. absolutely, yeah. And I think we, we've we got so much more out of it than we thought we would have done. Um, just even the the insights alone has just been so beneficial. But we know that customers really enjoy having a much more seamless journey as well. And they love the fact that they can use paperless returns, which has been great news as well. Um, and, the, and also what we have found is as well is that customers are now going into the store to return more. So we're getting better footfall and conversion in our stores. So it, it's been really beneficial for us. So uh, what could have
0: been something that was disappointing to the end consumer is actually turned in another opportunity for yeah. revenue conversion.
2: Yeah, and I think, I think there's still opportunities as well to go after. So we've still got that opportunity to um, personalize our emails more as well. Um, so really, I think we're just at the start of our journey. I imagine uh, for you particularly, it's challenging because of the seasonality aspect. Yeah. Although we are going into winter now, which is lower returns rates because generally people are wearing fluffy jumpers and they don't (laughs) tend to need the things (laughs) so much. And the summer is actually worse for us because dresses and uh, shorts and things that generally tend to be more fitted than winter clothing.
0: Yes. When it's more fitted, it could be definitely less flattering, particularly when (laughs) But
2: like, you know, it it just it. But it also depends on what the style is for that season. So mm. you might like. Our the summer this year actually has been quite floaty and uh, oversized. Uh, whereas the winter this year is actually going into more fitted. So we might find that actually our returns rates stay very similar. Um, but like I say, it's it's not always about that instant quick wins. It's about also looking at the longer term benefits that you get. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, have you found
0: Rachel that this enabled a uh, new look to keep more revenue from the exchange uh, the exchange process than before
2: uh, we don't offer exchanges at the moment uh, through the portal um so but we are looking at potentially doing that in the future okay excellent so um what other
0: words of advice would you give? Not necessarily to Martin, who has embarked on the on the journey and is highly involved in the post purchase space, but to someone just starting out, where it may seem overwhelming because of all the departments it touches, and they may not have that top down mandate. Yeah. What are the what are the top like three things you would recommend to them?
2: I think I would. I would try and look at the bigger picture and not just the immediate problem that you're trying to solve. So see if there's other problems that you can solve at the same time in that. So, um, you know, it might be that actually your returns process in store is pretty rubbish. So can you actually include that in this new journey and improve that as well for customers? Um, secondly, I think it's really important to create a working group and get a stakeholder from all areas of the business and, and get them on board with that. It will just make it so much easier when you are delivering that change, when you've actually got those um Subject matter experts, if you like, behind you to support with that. And I think, thirdly, it's about communication. So just make sure that everybody and anybody in the business knows what you're doing. So it's not a a shock to anybody. Um, And then follow up afterwards as well. So I've been really committed to making sure that we give regular updates to the business as to how things are progressing and what we've learned in our journey so far. Um, Because then you can piggyback onto that when you're doing other cross-functional projects or products, you you then have already got that commitment then and the business have seen the benefit of working in that way. So I think I've sort of used it as a bit of a springboard to to get other initiatives in which would also have been cross-functional. Excellent.
0: Well, thank you both for joining me today and sharing your insights and experiences uh, around the returns process. Uh, Rachel at the end, Martin at the beginning, uh, we look forward to speaking with you again to hear how, how your experience goes uh, as you um, embark on and partner with Parcelab. And so the folks listening to our first episode ever, we hope you enjoyed this. Make sure you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts Spotify, and all other podcast platforms to stay up to date on future episodes, and visit us at parcellab.com to learn more about all things post-purchase. Thank you so much for your time today. We appreciate it.